they were part of RMC2 and just family for many years. And then they went on a nine-month trip to Latin America through Peru, Colombia, and Ecuador. And now they're here for the summer before they go back to their permanent home in Quito, Ecuador. Uh, and while they're here for the summer, they're working on raising support, getting some coaching and training, and also just some time to be here with their family. Uh, thank you, their family, for being here and filling out half of our seats. Glad you guys are here. Um, time with family, church family as well, and just some little respite time. But, but they are here also uh, doing some support raising. And I just want to throw that out to our family as a family. There is a link up here. They didn't ask me to do this, by the way. They didn't know I was doing this. Um, so you can go to inkalink.org slash Lamka. That's their last name, L-A-M-C-A. If you feel led to give at all to help support the work that they're doing. If you didn't know, it's expensive to move out of country. Uh, but also when you are sacrificing your jobs that you had previously and the work and the insurance and benefits that come with that so that you can go and you can serve uh, a people that God has called you to. So if you can bless them in that way, that's awesome. So I want to put that up there, but I want to also just take a moment to pray for them. And then Brian is going to be preaching this morning for us from Luke chapter 23. Father, we thank you for Brian and Erica. We thank you for Alsatia and Juniper. They're beautiful girls. We thank you for the gift that they are to this church, to your church around the world. We thank you for the gift that they are to Quito. We thank you for uh, the gift, too, that you are giving to them that time in Quito, the ways in which they will learn more about who you are through people living in Ecuador, um, things that maybe we, we miss here in the States that they can learn from, they can grow from. Thank you for that gift of that time that they have to grow as a family, to grow together, but to grow up in you and in maturity in you. Uh, God, we pray that you would provide for every need that they have as they go and they do that, as they make that sacrifice to serve you. And we pray, that God, that you would, more importantly, be with them. Your spirit would bring them peace, comfort, and the power that they need to do the work that you've called them to. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So... Brian uh, and I, I said, if you're going to preach this morning, you have to dress like me. <laughs> if, I had, uh, if I had worn my glasses today and I my hair, my yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't bring my hair today. <laughs> Don't shave your head, please. Enjoy it while you can. Um, so, but I, I thought, you know what? It's really, really good to have multiple voices up here. Uh, I know we've been able to do that with Wade and I over the years. We've had Anthony and Will several times up here. Uh, and then they were here for the summer, and I was like, this is a perfect opportunity to hear from someone else as well. And someone who I know and I trust, and I know is qualified to bring the word, and I know loves the word and loves you guys. And so it's just I couldn't think of a better opportunity for that. So I want to thank you, Brian, for being here, and I'll turn it over. Good morning. Can you guys hear me all right? So <clears throat> during our, our year away, people ask us pretty consistently, so like, what are, what are some things that you guys miss when you're in Latin America? And there's the obvious ones, you know, family and friends and carne asada nachos, you know. Um, but one of the things that we take for granted here, this isn't super spiritual, right? It's just microphones and audio that's done well, because in 
Peru, Ecuador, and Colombia, they do this thing where they turn the volume up as loud as they possibly can, no matter what happens. <laughs> it's awful, so I'm really grateful for this. Um, so, huh, this is my first time like speaking in front of people in English for a while. That's why I invited all of my Spanish-speaking family, just in case I drift into Spanish. Um, but uh, today we're going to be looking in, in Luke 23. Um, we're going to be in verses 26 to 56. But before that, um, I want to back up because um, I used to be a teacher, so I like to review things. So where were we last week? What were we, talk what were we talking about? Oh, man, there's a quiz. Passover, Yeah. Yeah, Passover and in what we what we call the Lord's Supper now, and just a different way of doing that. Um, today we're going to be talking about basically everything that happened. We we kind of fast forward through a lot, so 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 we're going to fill in some gaps here. Um, so Jesus was eating the Last Supper with his with his disciples. Um, he he taught them how to go through that, and then. They, um, he goes out to the, to the garden um, to pray. And in Luke 22, um, it says, And he came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives. And the disciples followed him. And when he came to the place, he said, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. What happens from here until where we're going to start um, is a series of trials. Um, he goes before um, Caesar. He goes before Pontius Pilate, um, being taken by, by the, the Pharisees to those places. Um, and both... Caesar and Pilate said, as far as I can tell, this guy's innocent. And the Pharisees still wanted to crucify him. Um, so that leads us up to where we're going to be today. Um, like I said, we're going to be in 2656, and I'm finding that in my Bible. Sorry. <laughs> oh, my goodness. There we go. So, yeah, right? And as they led him away, they seized one Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, and laid on him the cross to carry it behind Jesus. And there followed him a great multitude of people and of women who were mourning and lamenting for him. But turning to them, Jesus said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming when they will say, Blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bore, and the breasts that have never nursed. And they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. For if they do these things when the wood is green, what will happen when it is dry? Two others, who were criminals, were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him. And the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. 
And the people stood by watching, but the rulers scoffed at him, saying, he saved others, let him save himself, if he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, if you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him. This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. For the other rebuked him, saying, do you not fear God, since you are understand the same se- under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he, he said to him, truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. And it was about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, when the sun's light failed. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Now when the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised, he praised God, saying, Certainly this man was innocent. And all the crowds that had assembled for this spectacle, when they, had, when they saw what had taken place, returned home, beating their breasts. And all his acquaintances and the women who had followed him from Galilee stood at a distance watching these things. Now there was a man named Joseph from the Jewish town of Arimathea. He was a member of the council, a good and righteous man, who had not consented to their decision and action. And he was looking for the kingdom of God. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then he took it down and wrapped it in a linen shroud and laid it in a tomb cut in stone where no one had ever yet been laid. It was the day of preparation and the Sabbath was beginning. The women who had come with him from Galilee followed and saw the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and ointments. On the Sabbath, they rested according to the commandment. All right. So here, both in this passage and in 22 leading up to it, we see a whole lot of different people. Um, who were some of the people that we were introduced to in, in this? Pilate. Pilate. Who was Pilate? He was the Roman governor. Yep. Who else? The criminals? Yep. Simon of Cyrene. Who was he? Exactly. We have no idea who he was. Like, like I, I was, I was looking into this preparing for this week, and I'm like, okay, who was Simon of Cyrene? Like, it's. I think in all four gospel accounts, it talks about how Simon of Cyrene carried the the cross for Jesus after a certain point. That's all we know about him. Like, I, I looked into other like historians because you know I'm a nerd. Um, nothing. That's all we've got on Simon of Cyrene. Who else? The centurion. Who, who, what is a centurion? Yeah. So a centurion is the guy that's in charge of a hundred other guys. Sent 
pennies, cents, centurion, cien, hundred, yeah. <laughs> All right. We've also, so we've got chief priests, we've got officers, we've got elders from the temple. So, so that's, we, we've got servants of the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin, or as it's called in, in, this, in this translation, the, the Council of Elders, were, were head honchos of the Jewish faith. Um, they were in charge of a whole lot of stuff, um, and they, they made really important decisions. Um, another, this, this was in 22, but we, we met Barabbas, who basically the people traded for Jesus. So Barabbas, um, sometimes is called a thief. Um, a, lot of, a lot of scholars believe that, that he, he was really like an insurrectionist. Um, so he was trying to, to lead in like a rebellion against Rome. Um, you've got the women of Jerusalem. So I looked into this too. Apparently these women like lamented or like wailed for people. Like that was what they did. Um, I don't think we have an equivalent to that in our culture now, um, but they just, they, they were with people that did that. Uh, so you have the thief that mocked him, um, a thief that looked to him, and then Joseph of Arimathea. Now, Joseph of Arimathea we know a little bit more about, um, but still not a whole lot. Um, it, there's, like I said, there's not a whole lot we know about him. Um, there's a few legends. Some people believe that he was, like he took the gospel to England. Um, if you watch Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, he was in charge of the Dusty Cup, which is the one that, you know, gives eternal life. And yeah, anyway, there's kids in here, so I'll, I'll skip past that. Indiana Jones, right? Um, but <laughs> that's, that's legend. Um, but what we do know about him is that he was a member of the, that council. Um, the council that, that Jesus was brought before and condemned. Um, but what we also know is that he was one of the people in that council that didn't condemn him. Um, we're told that he was good and that he was righteous and that he was looking for the kingdom of God. He was looking for the kingdom of God. That's, that's really what we're going to focus on for the, for the majority of today. Um, as we look back through this, there's that whole group of people, most of whom said that Jesus was innocent. So Pilate and, just blanked, um, Caesar, or not Caesar, sorry, yeah, Herod, they, they both said that Jesus was innocent. Um, the centurion said this man was innocent. Um, a, lot, a lot of the other people claimed that Jesus was innocent, but we're not told too much about them. Um, and the two people that we do know more about are Joseph of Arimathea and that second thief on the cross. And what these two share in common is that they believed he was innocent, but also these people were looking for the kingdom of God. So Joseph of Arimathea, we're told, we're told that he was looking for it. And the thief says, remember me when you enter into your kingdom. So this was on his mind. So as we... As we continue, what is the kingdom of God? You can guess. If you get it wrong, that's okay. It's the place where God's 
yeah. yeah. That's pretty much it. So it's, it's when or where or however you interpret that, but the, the place where God's reign is, is total. Um, it's, it's the reign of God. So if we look back to the true story, the six symbols that you guys are very familiar with, um, we're looking at the restoration of things to God. We're told that in a rebellion, God was going to make things right again and his rule would come. We see this in the resurrection and can look fuller to it in the restoration of all things. So we're, we've talk, we talk a lot about the, the already but not yet. So right now, Jesus has, has come and he's offered salvation and we know that he's going to make all things right. Um, but before that, they knew that something was coming. They weren't completely sure of what it was or what it looked like. And that, that was the whole reason there was so much confusion about Jesus. Um, there was the thought that he was going to try to overthrow the, emp- the empire. Uh, there was the thought that he was trying to, to break down the, the Jewish traditions and things like that. Um, but he was coming to make things as they ought to be. Uh, we're going to look at this in a few different places. And the first one is Luke 17, which I think we have up here. So, being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed. Nor will they say, look, here it is, or there. For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. So what do we learn about the kingdom there? It's in, it's in our midst. Yeah. What else? It's not what they thought. It looks very different from this, from what was thought to have happened, thought what would happen by this people that were basically under um, foreign rule. It's also, it's also divisive in a way because if I think it looks like one thing and you think it looks like something else, we're gonna have some very different views on that. And, and that's, again, what happened here. Um, and in Jesus' bringing up the kingdom, he, he was ultimately rejected. If we go over to Matthew 6, uh, 28 through 33, it says, Are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith, therefore do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you, do, that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. What do we learn about it there? It takes some thinking. That's okay. Yeah. In the kingdom of God, our needs are met by God. I think there's, there's, there's some cool things that can happen if we've got the kingdom of God in mind. If, if we've got living, for what, living the way God wants us to live, um, 
what's the connection to that in, in clothes and food and things like that? I was, I was thinking through this and talking to someone about it. It was Chris. Disclaimer. Uh, <laughs> but but we're talking about, we were talking about, like, if, if we're looking for God's kingdom and if we're living out our lives um, with God's kingdom in mind in, in our community, um, these things happen. These, these needs are met. If, if, we're, if we're edifying our brothers and sisters and if we're loving our brothers and sisters and caring for them like God wants us to, um, what if, what if that's a way of providing our needs? I know last year sometime, um, our car broke down and a couple from, from this church family said, hey, we don't need our car for the next couple of days. We don't have any plans. Do you guys want to borrow it? Okay, awesome. And that was just this family looking to love the community and us in this instance. Um, and uh, that need was met. It was the weirdest thing ever, but it was so cool. Um, and then in Matthew 6.10, when Jesus teaches us how to pray, he says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, as we were praying, this is, this is Jesus teaching us how to pray. Um, we are aligning, we align our will with the will of God. Um, so part of what we're doing is changing our thinking to, to, to go beyond what I need and what I want um, to, to really put into play whether or not that's what, that's what God wants us uh, to be doing. Give me one second, sorry. So, if we go back to Jesus in the garden, he knows what's about to happen to him. He knows he's about to be betrayed. He knows that he's about to be delivered into the hands of his enemies and the enemies of his people. And he asked God to take that from him. But what, 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 was, the, what was the thing he added to that? What did he add to that? Not my will, but yours be done. He's, he's seeking the will of God over his own. So here, we have a contrast. If we go back to, this, to, the, to the second scene in the story, we have a man in a garden, and he breaks the communion between man and God when he drives a, a wedge between his will and God's. Do you recall that? He wanted to, Adam wanted what he wanted. But in this fourth scene of the story, a man in a garden restores the relationship between God and man when he aligns his will with God's. Second scene, you have Adam saying, I don't want this, I want this. This breaks what we have with God. It breaks our, our union with him. It breaks our ability to walk with him. But Jesus, in this, in this scene, puts his will under the authority of God's. And in doing that, provides a way for us to be brought back to God. 
pretty cool. You can say amen if you want, or you can just say, it's fine either way. So Joseph of Arimathea was looking for God's kingdom. He was changing the way that he thought. He was changing the way he was living his life to follow Jesus. He was, he was in about as high of a position as you could be if you were a Jewish man. Um, like many of his peers, there was likely a time that he hoped that God's kingdom would look like a removal of these Romans. Okay? They didn't want to be under anybody's authority, but, but they were. Rather than overthrow them, what did he do? He went to them and he asked for the body of Jesus. So here's a guy who, in the past, would have wanted these Romans overthrown, I'm guessing, and instead of being angry about that, he went to them and asked them to give him the body of Jesus. He listened to him and changed what he wanted to align with what God wanted. And also, um, this even helped fulfill a prophecy from Isaiah that talked about Jesus being married or being buried in the tomb of a rich man. So, so you have all of this stuff going on that happens when you align yourself, when you align your will with the will of God. And this is this is what we're getting at. We need to look for the kingdom, and we we need to align ourselves with that kingdom. Rather than bend the word to say what we mean, we need to get in line with what God has in place. Um, when we were in Peru this past year, um, we were in northern Peru in a city called Trujillo, and we went 10 hours south to the capital city of Lima over Holy Week, um, so the week leading up to Easter. And we, we spent this week with this amazing couple um, who were leading a church there um, and it's 75% of, these, of this 200-person church is between about 18 and 26. And what they're doing is, is stuff that they wouldn't normally do. See, in, in Peru, Christianity, is, it, it's still pretty, um, what's the word? Legalistic. Um, so if you have a tattoo, like, that's, that's, not, that's not okay. Um, if you have more than one piercing in your ears, the church thinks that that's like the weirdest thing. Nobody else in the culture cares. The, the, the Christians have an issue with that. Um, and Tony and Patti went, oh my goodness, there's all these kids that need Jesus. How are we going to do that? What they did is they aligned what they're doing, their methods, with the will of God. And they, they, they opened up this church that said, we don't care what you look like. Of course you're, li- you're, you're, a, you're sinning, you're a sinner. So what happened is people would come into this church and feel loved, and, and Jesus worked in their hearts. And there's something like, I think something like 60% of their church shows up like an hour and a half early to get things ready and to serve. So they're seeing lives be changed to then also continue to serve, like from the get-go. Um, they, they, they do some funky things, like they, they meet on Sunday nights instead of Sunday mornings because they work or, or whatever. Um, since, since they meet at night, they do this thing, they're on this kind of main road, so they kind of like keep the doors closed until like the, the, the service is about to start. So anyone passing by sees this great big group of like, 150 
20-year-olds like waiting to get inside to something, and then they show up because they're going, okay, what's going on? This, is, this seems interesting. Um, so they're, they're going, okay, I know, I know what the religious people are saying, but I know what God is calling me to do, and I'm going to do that. Um, I had the opportunity of going to this uh, jungle mission school when we were in Ecuador. So um, we took like a four-hour truck ride from Quito, where we're going to be living, and we went to this school. It's in the middle of the jungle, and all of the students that are coming to this school um, are, they're working the fields, they're, they're doing stuff, but then they're also serving and learning at the same time. Um, and also, all of them are from indigenous tribal groups in, in Ecuador. Um, have you guys, anybody ever seen the movie End of the Spear? Okay, so um, one, of, one of the people groups represented in End of the Spear um, are the Warani people, and some of the students at this school are Warani. Um, so these are people that historically have been very opposed to anybody going into, um, into their place. And while I, was, while I was at the school, I met this guy named Daime, uh, and I think I have a picture of him. He's a short little guy. He's like this big. Um, yeah, this is Daime. And, okay, this, is, this doesn't have anything to do with it, but it's fun. Um, so I was there for two weeks, and this one day I see him like take his, his flip-flops off, and walk up to this tree that's like, it's basically a telephone pole, um, and about as tall as a telephone pole, and he just like wraps his feet around it and like shimmies up the tree with a machete. I think it, like, I think he had it in his mouth, and then he started like chopping grapes off the top of this tree. It's crazy, it's super crazy, but anyway. Um, he and his wife uh, got married when they were 16, so in jungle years, they were basically old maids. Um, and, they they weren't followers of Jesus. Um, they were at this they were at this party that lasted like four days, and their son they had they had an infant son who was sick, and they were completely drunk during this entire thing. Um, the son ended up passing away um, from this sickness, and that kind of snapped them out of what they were doing. I don't I don't I don't know the whole story, but from that he came to faith in Jesus Christ. And his, Daime's uncle um, is from another tribal group, and he's like the biggest, baddest, meanest guy in the jungle and doesn't really care for his nephew a whole lot. Um, and I was talking to, to Daime, and his goal when he graduates is to go out into the jungle, hunt down his uncle, and tell him about the hope that he has in Jesus. Because he's thinking about the kingdom of God. He's thinking, my uncle wants me dead. I should want to not go back into this group where all of this awful stuff happened. There's other places in the jungle that I could tell people what I know. But my uncle needs to know. So when he graduates, I think in the next year, his goal is to go find his uncle, like literally track him down, like following a trail and like, like his, his hunting routes um, and tell him about the kingdom of God and how it's changed his life. 
in our experience in Latin America, those, those were kind of things that stuck out as, as especially cool. Um, and, and I want to encourage Monsieur Day. Um, for the most part, what happens in our church doesn't happen in other churches, whether it's in Latin America or here. We typically don't do things like, hey, it's Saturday, can the four of us come help you hang this thing at a coffee shop that, by the way, is being run to love refugees and immigrants? Okay, none of that is something that happens. Um, people don't normally say, hey, I don't need my car for the next couple of days. Do you want to use it? People don't normally do this missional community thing where like, you go on Sunday and sit there, but then you also go on Wednesday and sit there, but then you also serve. That's not something that happens. Um, so I want to encourage you guys that you're doing things really, really well. Um, Eric and I spent a lot of time crying about how much we missed you guys and, and the things that, that you're doing here and how you're loving the com your community here. Um, Galatians 6.9, Paul reminds his readers, do not grow weary of doing good. And I want to offer the same to you. We're... We're in the middle of this shift in our culture. Um, and we need to be checking ourselves against what's being said um, in culture at large. Um, it would be really convenient to like just dismiss things that we've, that, that are, just dismiss things. Um, but we need to continue checking the decisions we're making with, with the Spirit of God. Um, so, so keep doing that. Um, so I want to give you guys something to think about. Um, over this past year, what are some areas that, that you think that you have sought the kingdom of God? What are, what, are some, what are some parts of your life where you've been actively trying to see, okay, how would, how would God want me to do this? Then also... What are the areas where you're not doing that? What are the, the areas that you need to check and go, okay, is this what God wants? Does this, is this what the kingdom looks like? And does my life align with that? Um, I want to remind you that his kingdom is so much better than anything we could come up with. The, the Jews thought it would look so great to have the Romans overthrown and just live their lives and, and do their thing. That was like, that was their dream. But that pales in comparison to what Jesus did in not only overthrowing the Romans ideologically, but overthrowing darkness. Searching for God's kingdom, looking to God's kingdom is so much better than anything we could come up with on our own. God, I thank you for this church. I thank you for um, the role that they've had in our lives. I thank you for the ways that they are looking for your kingdom, and I pray that you would encourage them as they seek, seek out the parts of their life that don't align with your kingdom. Help them in that. Um, help us in that. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you guys remember last week, 
as we were looking at the Passover meal, the last supper Jesus shared with his friends, that there was a lot of confusion for his friends and his followers wondering what in the world is going on here. Uh, where's the lamb, right? Why aren't we taking this final cup? What's going on? And in this week's text, as Brian just read for us, we see that lamb on the day of preparation, the body of Jesus being prepared uh, with the, the herbs and spices as they prepared him for his burial. And what we see later in the story in that Brian referenced our six symbols, you know, first symbol creation, then rebellion, promise, redemption, church is the fifth symbol before the final symbol of restoration. In that fifth symbol, that fifth act of the story, the church now alive because Jesus has died and risen again and sent his spirit on them, we see that they start to think back on that meal. And they remember it, and they see the purpose of it now, and they continue to honor it time and time again. And so we get in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul writing to the church in Corinth and reminding them to continue to do this, take this meal over and over again and remember what Jesus did for you. I love, uh, Brian had a statement in his sermon just now about there was in that second scene, the, the man in the garden who disaligned his will with God and he, he brought brokenness into the world. And then in our fourth scene of that story, a man in the garden submits his will to God's and that restores things. And so as we go to the table right now and we hear Brian's challenge of, are we looking to the kingdom? Like it says of Joseph, are we looking to the kingdom? or Are we looking to our own kingdoms? I want us to go to the table and remember that we can only look to the kingdom and we can only enter into the kingdom because of the sacrifice and the cost of the king. And so I want to read this from 1 Corinthians 11. Verse 23, Paul writes, I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. That is what we are proclaiming when we go to the table right now. That there is a king and it's not us. And that that king paid every cost necessary to bring us into the kingdom. And so may we come to the table looking for the kingdom even within our own hearts. Amen.